Hi, I'm Jeremy Eckert. My wife Candace and I are the campus pastors at the Ridge Park Hill. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that this message connects with you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged, take courage, and enjoy. All right, guys, here we go. So September is the month of prayer here at the Ridge. We started talking about prayer last week as we were introducing this month. The concept of prayer is pretty comfortable because when you boil it down to just the fundamentals, prayer is just communication with God. But the execution of that concept can seem kind of awkward. It can seem intimidating. Sometimes we don't know what to say. We know what we need, but we don't know what to say. We're not even sure where to start. And what we said last week is if that's you, if you're in that zone where you're intimidated and you don't even know really how to start this communication with God, then you're in good company. Because everybody has at one time or another felt like you needed to talk to God, but you're not really sure how to get through. It's like you're not sure how to make that connection. Even Jesus' own disciples, the the people that followed him around, years of ministry had this very legitimate question. And Jesus didn't rebuke them for asking, he just explained it. But one day they came to him and said, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? Like I said, Jesus didn't rebuke them for that. He didn't say, come on guys, you should have figured this out by now. You've seen me do it. Instead, he answered their question because it was a legitimate question. And so Jesus gave a legitimate answer. And his response is known as the Lord's Prayer. And it's recorded as a pattern for you and I to use in our prayers. It's a declaration of the covenant. It's our rights, our responsibilities as children of God and His ambassadors here on earth. And so we started looking at the Lord's Prayer last week. We began our study with just the first eight words, the first sentence, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We said our Father was a declaration of our position as children of God. The prepositional phrase in heaven is where we declare his preeminence as the uncreated one not bound by our space-time or our observations. Hallowed be your name is the declaration of perspective and we, we say that he is holy and with that realization everything else fades compared to the radiance of his majesty. And so this week we're going to continue talking about the Lord's Prayer, we're going to go to the next sentence in this prayer, the next section. And in this section, it shifts our focus from our identity to our purpose. And our purpose takes precedence. It says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We'll back up and read the context, beginning in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 5. This is Jesus addressing the disciples and explaining how to pray. He gives a few instructions and then he gives them the model prayer. He says this, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the corners of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, And your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, 
Do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. They think they'll be heard with their many words. Therefore, don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of even before you ask. So Jesus starts addressing this and says, Hey, look, your audience is one. When you need something, when you're going to God in prayer, don't worry about standing in front of a group of people with a microphone. Don't worry about standing on a table in your cafeteria and praying out loud. Don't worry about those things. It's not to be seen by people, it's to be seen by God. And don't set a timer for yourself and say, I'm going to pray 10 minutes only to repeat the same 30-second thing 20 times. He says, look, just be straightforward. God is in heaven You're on earth. Sometimes you just got to let your words be few and just lay out your requests before God. Take away all the fluff. Take away all the pretense. And just talk to him. And here is how you do it. In this manner, therefore, pray. This is verse beginning in verse 9. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Last week, we talked about the beginning. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. This week, the next sentence. Your kingdom come, your will be done earth as it is in heaven. See, after we have this revelation of what we talked about last week, it's, it's our position as children of God, it's His preeminence and how huge He is and all the authority that He has, and we put all that into perspective of our needs and our wants, the next logical thing is for us to just come out with our, our shopping list. And say, okay, God, now that I understand how huge you are and how holy you are and all the things that you have, and and I understand that you're my father, the good father, then here are the things that I need. But that's not the way that it works. Not so fast anyway. We have to keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is about his kingdom. Your kingdom come. This is the revelation of his reign. Before we we launch into the things that we need, and we'll talk about that maybe next time we meet together, but even before we get there, we say, God, I understand how huge you are, and let's put your agenda first. Say, God, let your kingdom come. Reveal to us your reign as king of the earth. During this time, it's it's a good time to say, God, restore your kingdom on the earth. You see, here's the deal. One day, Jesus really will come back to this physical earth. And one day, Jesus really will set up His kingdom on this physical earth. It's a time sometime in the future where we don't know when it's going to be, but we do know what it's going to look like. We, we, we see it all recorded in the book of the Revelation. I can read you a little bit of it here. In Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11, it says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse and He who sat on it was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flaming fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses, and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. 
himself treads the winepress to the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The book of the Revelation tells us that at the end of this age, Jesus will come back and set up His kingdom on this earth. Your kingdom come. And it's okay to desire that. It's logical to desire that because when that happens, He's going to wipe away every tear. When that happens, there's going to be an end to suffering. There's going to be a coming of administered justice. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Redeem our planet. Come and restore perfection. Come do these things. It's logical for us to want those things because that is literally paradise on earth. And it will one day literally happen. And so it's okay to say, Jesus, come quickly. That's what, that's what John the Revelator said. He says, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come and do these things. Come and end this suffering of our present state with the majesty of eternity touching our earth. But understand also that there's a purpose in waiting. It's okay to pray, Jesus, come on this earth physically. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, in sickness, in disease, in hunger, in these things. Touch this earth. Redeem your creation. It's, it's good to pray those things, but also understand that there's a purpose in waiting. This time between the time that Jesus was crucified, rose and ascended, and the time that He comes again is for a purpose. And we read about that in 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slow to keep His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with us, with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. See, here's the thing, guys. In between the time where Jesus ascended and the time that Jesus comes back, it's our time to reach the lost. This is Jesus. This is God being patient with humanity, not wanting anyone to die and go to hell, but everyone to come to repentance. So when we pray, Jesus, let your kingdom come on this earth. Not only do we mean physically, we also mean spiritually. We also don't, we, we talk about then, we also talk about right now, right here, and start with me. You step out and you volunteer and you say, Jesus, help me today to introduce your kingdom. Flow through me, flow, flow in me, work in me, work me, do something in me. God, re reveal your kingdom through me. Whatever it is, let this thing that I do, do to reveal Jesus to my friends, to the nations. We pray that we personally build the kingdom. Pray that our leaders build the kingdom. The Bible says that all leadership comes from above and, and God establishes everything. So we pray for our leaders. You step out and you say, God, make me a leader in the kingdom. Make me do this. I'm ready. Help me, Jesus. Come quickly and come through me. Let your kingdom be established. And then you say, God, would you bless our leaders? Would you bless our president? 
And I know, I know that not everybody likes him, and let's be 100% honest, Donald Trump is not a saint at all. He does allow Christians some privileges that I feel were threatened, but it's still our responsibility to pray for him. Can I be 100% honest? President Obama, I really felt threatened as a Christian under his leadership. He did some things that took away, I feel, certain liberties of the Christian, issuing executive orders to let you use any bathroom you wanted so guys could go and girls and girls could go and guys. It was weird. It was strange times. I didn't agree with a lot of things that he did. But I didn't have a choice but to continue to pray for him and to bless him. Because here's the thing. As a citizen of the United States, your, your right, your responsibility, your privilege is to vote. And you can vote however you want. Vote against who you don't like. Vote for who you do like. But your right and responsibility and your privilege as a, as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to continue to pray for our leaders. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to think that they're great. You don't have, you don't have to sugarcoat anything that's happening. If you disagree with it, it's okay to, to voice your opinion. But you do still have to bless them and pray blessings on them. The president's an easy one to talk about because people either love him or hate him. And the same is true for our governor, our mayors. The same is true for your school administrators. Maybe they're horrible people. Maybe they curse all the time. Maybe they're absolutely not fair. You don't have to like them. You don't. You do need to pray for them because God has allowed them to be in that position and it's our duty to say, God, let your kingdom be established through these people. Even if they don't understand some of the decisions they're making. Maybe they don't understand, but God is working it together somehow for good and so you pray for the leaders. You pray for the church leaders. You pray for your pastors. You pray for pastors of churches that you drive by on the way to school or on the way to work. Maybe you don't even know these people, but, but the truth is if they stand in front, of an, in front of a crowd and they're proclaiming the word of God, then they've got to have something to say. And in this day and age where we need revival so desperately, we've got to pray for our leaders in the church to have revelation, to have understanding, to have strategy, to have unction, that thing that just makes you want to preach the word of God with passion. And talk about him like he's a fire and not a relic. Pray that the kingdom would be established on the earth. Right here, right now, through you. Through our leaders. In short, this part of the prayer is praying for revival. God, revive us. Change people's lives. Let people be saved. Let people be set free. Take the blinders off of a generation and show us our need for you. Protect us. Send blessings on the church. Let the church prosper. Let your kingdom be established in our generation through me, through our leaders. Your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. This is our statement of surrender. You see, after and in light of building the kingdom, we also pray your will be done, right? We consciously at this stage, we yield our wills to his and we temper our prayers to the refining fire of whatever it is your plan first. 
Because God always has the best for you in mind. When we say, God, let your will be done, it's always going to be the best way. It's always going to be the best path. But not to pop your bubble, but just to let you live in reality with me, is that sometimes the best is not the immediate good. Sometimes... God will ask you to give up a temporary pleasure for a long-term blessing. Sometimes you're going to ask God to heal a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend, and He's going to say, no, because my long-term plan for you is with someone else. My long-term plan is better. Sometimes God is going to arrange some things, and, and you may have to move away, or maybe you did move away, and this is your new place. Welcome. And God rearranges some things that aren't comfortable for the moment, but in the light of what He sees, past, present, and future, all at the same time, He's going to work it out the best way in the end. Sometimes the path that we should walk is not the path that we want to walk. It's hard to yield to His will. And if we could throw up a poster for any example of this, the most powerful example, is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before the crucifixion, Jesus goes to a garden to pray. And He goes out by Himself. He leaves His other disciples there. They fall asleep. And He, he, he goes a little bit farther, and He's alone with God, and He is praying passionately. He's talking with Jesus with passion so much that the sweat became His drops of blood, and His prayer was, Father, please... Let this cup pass from me. In other words, if there's any other plan, I see the cross coming. I know what's going to have to happen. I can already feel the pain. I can already feel the agony, the physical and the spiritual agony of all the sins of the world being placed on me. I can already feel the loneliness of you turning your back on me and forsaking me because of the sin of the world. I can already, I know this is good. If there's any other way, God, Let this cup pass for me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I'm confident in that moment that Jesus would have rather walked a different path. But he knew that the end was greater than the suffering that he'd have to go through. He knew that that was the only way of salvation to get to know you and me and to have eternity with us and to reconcile man to God. He knew that. And so he yielded his will to the Father's. God's will is always based on the big picture. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Meaning, even if it's not comfortable for me, God, let your will be done in my life. And again, this is before we start going into our laundry list of things that we want. This is before we start asking Him for all the things that we even need. We're going to get to that. This is just the setup. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, our revelation, your kingdom come, your will be done. Before we go any farther, God, I'm going to lay down my desires and I'm going to temper everything else that I'm going to say with this one thing. Would you let your will be established? Even if that means me walking through something I don't want to, would you keep an eye on my big picture? Would you weave my destiny together with your plan and do something incredible with it? Last but not least, The idea of perfection. 
the way that his will is done. This is the canceling of conditions. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If the, the what is his will being done, the to what extent, if you're keeping up with adverbs, is on earth as it is in heaven. It is the perfection of his will. It's the canceling of all conditions. See, here's the thing. In heaven, God's voice is obeyed absolutely. Absolutely. What God says goes. And let let me mess with your mind a little bit. It's not because angelic beings don't have a free will. They have the opportunity to choose whether or not to obey God. Now, when God spoke, let there be light, things that are created have no, have no choice. They just exist because God said so. Things that, that He's created with ability to think and react and the ability to love have a will to choose. Say, Pastor Jeremy, this is getting kind of crazy, but let me tell you this. Demons were once angels who rebelled against God. So if demons chose to rebel against God, then they must have had a choice whether or not to rebel. So when the Bible says that in heaven God's perfect will is done, it's not because all of the angels are forced to obey His word. It's because they have an absolute incredible view of who He is. They see His face. They see His majesty. They see His glory and they love Him and they trust Him. And if choices are based on love and they have revelation of God's perfect love, then His perfect will is accomplished in heaven. And ladies and gentlemen, it's the same reason that you and I are able to follow Jesus. It's the same reason. Just like in heaven His perfect will is done because what He says, the people, the, the, the angels, they're willing to do it 100% without question. The same reason the, the apostles were willing to, to be martyred for their relationship with Jesus Christ. That revelation of who He is, that, that revelation of, of the power of God. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy. This is Paul writing and, and he's eventually going to be martyred for his faith and he says this for this reason I also suffer these things nevertheless I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I have committed to him until that day I know him I know who I believe on so when we pray things like God let your will be done in my life as earth on earth as it is in heaven what we're saying is God let me see your glory let me peek behind the curtain. Let me, let me know your love. Let me learn to trust you completely. Even if the path is hard, even if the road is dark, let your will be done in me. Let me trust you. Let me see you in your glory so that, so that I put my, my hope in you. Let me see you even like the angels do and understand your perfect love because that perfect love is going to cast out all the fear that I have And I'm going to obey you with confidence. And your perfect will will be accomplished in my life. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, start in me. Start in me. 
Send a revival on this earth and start in me. Let me propagate your kingdom. Let your will be done in my life. Even if I don't understand it at this moment, let me be courageous. Let me be full of faith. Let me walk in that because of the revelation I have of you. God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Thank you for listening today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast to receive the latest episodes in your inbox. We will begin meeting as a physical campus in early 2020. If you live in the central Arkansas area and would like to be part of our launch team, please visit us online by clicking the link in the description below. You're also more than invited to attend our main campus at 8013 Jackson Volcano Road in Sherwood, Arkansas with lead pastors Kenny and Kristen McBessel. We'll see you soon.